The final season of Power Book 2, Ghost, begins. And for Tariq St. Patrick, it's the moment of truth. In the wake of being betrayed, pushed out of the drug game, and almost killed, Tariq is out for revenge. Will he prove to be like his father and do whatever is to be done to protect his family and his future? Or is he his own man? Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now only on Stars and the Stars app. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more, connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and an Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T, connecting changes everything. Limited time offer requires 0% APR, 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. Hot Happy Mess. Celebrate your magic in the middle of life's messes. Hot, happy, mess. I'm Zuri Hall, and this is Hot, Hot happy, happy Mess. Oh, shoot. <laughs> hello, hello. Happy Wednesday, babes. What's up? I'm Zuri Hall. This is Hot, Happy Mess. And producer Star told me to do a British accent. As soon as I did it, it just felt super Australian. So um, I'm just going to apologize and say welcome back to the podcast. Uh, if you're listening to this on the day that it uploads, it's probably Wednesday. Um, but I'll be honest, that means it's today because I was super late recording my host reads today because it has been a week, y'all. I am in Las Vegas. I just wrapped filming my fourth season with American Ninja Warrior. Woo, woo. Uh, shout out coming to TV screen on NBC near you this summer. I still remember when I was a rookie and I was so excited to be on the show and it was like the biggest production I'd been in at that point in my life and it was just so exciting and it's still exciting and it's changed my life and such amazing ways and oh my goodness these stories that we're telling these ninjas who you're going to get to know like if you've never watched the show i truly recommend you check it out yes this is a shameless plug but also because it's so much more than athleticism and you know ninjas doing amazing things on the course which they totally are um but these are really people who are working their butts off all year round uh going through a lot of difficulties and trials and tribulations. I mean, you hear some really sad and heartbreaking stories, but then you're really encouraged and feel a little bit stronger to tackle, you know, the day-to-day -day obstacles and hardships and, and challenges of your own life when you see what they've overcome to just get to the start line. I mean, I have cried so many tears in the last four seasons, but quite a few this year, especially. Um, and happy tears, sad tears, proud tears, all the tears. Um, but if you want to shed some thug tears with me, or not, if you just want to watch some amazing ninjas do some cool stuff, then uh, check it out. It's coming to NBC this summer, American Ninja Warrior. If you hear a slight lisp, it's because, good God, you guys, my Invisalign is back. Like, I lost it for six months. Then I found it again. They're back in. I just, uh, one day these teeth are going to get together, but probably no time soon because I just can't not get well it's not that I can't be consistent I just keep losing the trays and like accidentally throwing them away I'm consistent until they get tossed 
So, anyways, like I said, Ninja on NBC this summer, which means summer is right around the corner, and your girl cannot wait to catch a flight or two or five because I need a vacation. <laughs> um, I'm going to Europe. That's my playground. In June, I'm really excited. Stay tuned. I've got some fun announcements coming up. But I'll be in the French Riviera. Uh, gonna spend a little time in London. Um, maybe a little Paris action. I don't know. That's kind of the fun of it, is just going where the wind blows me and leaving some room for the magic to happen, whatever that is. But I'm excited for that vacation. I'm curious to know, y'all got any summer plans? What you up to? Where are you going, girl? Slide in my DMs and tell me on Instagram at Zuri Hall. Um, also, you know, we've been asking for the last few weeks to have listeners join me on the show. And this is the last week that we're accepting submissions for a very special episode where I want to highlight you and your stories, have conversations with you, get to know you. So if you want to chat with me about self-love, self-care, love, dating, OMG stories, WTF stories, your favorite episodes, whatever, send us an email. Hello at hothappymess.com. Subject line, chat with Z. And and let me know why you want to come on the show. All right. For today's episode, we've heard of life coaches, budget coaches, dating coaches, a divorce coach. How about a friendship coach? Yes, you heard me right. Today's episode is all about friendship, how to make friends as an adult, what are the signs of a healthy or a toxic friendship, and what are some of our biggest quote unquote female friendship stereotypes? You are going to hear a lot of that in this episode. I think this is so important because especially the older you get, I have found in my personal experience, it's even harder to make friends. You know, I saw a meme that was like, yo, making adult friendships is harder than dating or finding the one. And sometimes I think so, because at this point in our life, a lot of people are prioritizing finding the one or they've already found that person and they're building a life with them. And so, you know, sometimes the friendships kind of take second or third or whatever priority, fair enough and understandably, but that means trying to convince someone to prioritize you when you're new on the scene becomes harder to do because people have kids, they have jobs, they have lives. And then also, where the hell are you finding all these people? Campus was like the last prime opportunity to just stumble into a bunch of people who were similar in age, like-minded, kind of in the same life stage as you. And now you're just out in the world, fending for yourself, running into random people and hoping that two of you like each other. Not to sound morbid. I'm sorry, that was a bit of a downer. But if that's how you feel, fear not. Don't feel down. I got you, girl. I got you. She's going to be talking about cultivating community as it relates to new moms, friends for different seasons, and even low maintenance friendships, right? Sometimes you need the friends or the real ones who get it. And you extend that energy in the reverse of you get it, you know? And, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Sometimes that's exactly what you need. So whatever type of friendship you're looking for, whatever type of friendships you have, we're getting into the nitty gritty. Before we dive in really quickly, I just want to say, like I told you, it's been, it's hard. It's up and down making friendships in your adult life. You know, I have tried, I tried the friendship app. I only went on one friend date. This was years and years ago. And then I just never got back on it. I don't know. It was a lot of effort in addition to actually being on dating apps. And like I said, trying to, you know, focus on that too. But one of my best friends, like ever, ever in life, Travasha, I kind of, did I slide in her DM? I think we, we became Twitter buddies because I followed her on Twitter first for sure. I think I probably, I think I did DM her first and was like, Hey, I'm new in town. Do you want to hang? Because she seemed cute and bubbly and fun and had a fun personality. And I had just moved to Indianapolis. It was my first job after college. And I'm so glad I slid in those DMs because she is a lifelong friend. She's like a sister to me at this point. We're so close. I love her dearly. It never would have happened had I not taken that not even risk. It was so chill, but that very easy shooting of a shot and just saying, Hey, I'm new in town and you seem cool. Do you want to grab a drink or do you want to hang? And she was like, sure, absolutely. And she's kept that same energy for the last decade plus of our friendship. Uh, we actually just got back from the lovers and friends festival in Vegas. Uh, two of my best friends came out. Um, Ashley, who y'all know from the group chat and Travasha, who, you know, from the group chat and then a bunch of other awesome ladies. We got a VIP cabana, lived our best life to Neo 
when Sierra and um, who else was there? I think Mario was there. I can't remember. I was gone by that point because I was filming Ninja Warrior. Genuine, John B, Usher, Ludacris, all the people. It was your best Y2K dream, okay? And I got to create those memories with some of my besties because, you know, we got out there and made these friendships happen all those years ago. So if you want to make those friendships happen in your life, if you've already got those friendships and you want to learn how to maintain them, if somebody is getting on your last nerves or you think you've outgrown the friendship, <clears throat> then this is the episode for you. All right. All right. It's time for our expert. She is absolutely amazing. Uh, such fun energy. Should I slide in your DMs, Danielle? I think I'm going to. We should be friends uh, because I absolutely love this episode. So without further ado, here's Danielle. Okay, here she is, Danielle Jackson. She's a certified friendship coach and national speaker. She's dedicated to teaching women how to create and maintain meaningful female friendships. It's an art, y'all. She's here to teach us it. She's been featured in NBC News for her expertise and her advice has been quoted in several other media outlets, including Psychology Today, Well Good, the Tampa Bay Times, and Insider. Danielle's a member of the American Sociological Association, and she studies the latest research in the areas of social science to create practical ways for women to better understand each other when operating in positions of leadership, friendship, and mentorship. Wow. Well, this is the conversation that some of us might not have known we needed, but we need it. Okay. So I'm here to tell folks that we need to figure this out. I'm so glad that you're here to help us with it. Welcome. Thank you for having me. This is my absolute favorite thing to discuss. So I'm excited to jump in. Let's go ahead and do that. Uh, first of all, let's get to know you a little bit. Talk to me about uh, your background. You're a mother, a wife, a former high school teacher. You have your own PR agency. So you've got a lot of stones in the fire. Yeah, a lot going on. It's funny because I always joke when people are like, oh, how'd you become a friendship coach? I'm like, you know, it certainly wasn't on my vision board when I was eight, you know, be a friendship coach, but I fell into it. I was actually a high school English teacher for about six years teaching high school seniors. And during that time, you know, you hear their conversations between classes, they're coming up to me after class with their, you know, friendship drama, you know? And so I, I would coach them through it for like six years and didn't realize at the time that's what I was doing. And then when I left the classroom to get into PR, I thought foolishly, oh, I'm leaving this behind. I'm leaving the drama behind because, ugh, teenagers. But little did I know that grown folks have their issues too. <laughs> and we just carry it all into adulthood. If we right. Don't <laughs> we yeah. cannot get it together. So that's when I realized, oh, this is something at every stage of womanhood we're trying to figure out? How do I navigate relationships with other women? And so when I realized, you know, if you're having an issue with your business, you'll hire a business coach. You're having issues in your marriage, you'll get a counselor. Why is it that with friendship, we feel like it's something you should have figured out and you can't get support? And so I kind of went down the rabbit hole. And over the past four years, I've been, you know, serving as a women's friendship coach. And so far, it's been a really fun journey. Yeah, I, I think it's so fascinating. And I love what you brought up that point of being intentional with our friendships the same way we are with our romantic relationships or our employee employer dynamics. Like we're very um, methodical and present when it comes to, okay, how can I be a better employee? How can I climb the corporate ladder? But cultivating meaningful friendships, particularly after the pandemic, it, we realized how important that is. It, it's so um, it's so overlooked sometimes and yet so crucial to our mental health and mental wellness. I love that you've got this coaching program we'll talk about later, uh, just kind of helping adults master platonic relationships and the fact that the strategies you give are tangible, right? It's not just like, open up, like go say hi to five people. It's specifically like, how do we rekindle an old friendship? How do I create a new deep friendship, um, making friends in general. So I think it's important. I love that you're doing it. Um, what was that day one journey even like? Like, okay, I want to be a friendship coach. Was there anyone on this path before you? Because I've not heard of this job title, but I kind of love it. Yeah, to my knowledge, I saw some psychologists who would who would sandwich it in their offerings. Like, oh, I can help you with this, 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 friendship, da, 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 da. But as far as, you know, I like to stay in my lane. I'm a coach, not a therapist. However, for women who are ready to learn what to do, just exactly as you described, and they don't want to just process their feelings. They're like, okay, great. I'm ready to reach out to that friend. Or I think I want to end this friendship. What do I do? That's where I would come in. And so it's been really cool to give women like practical steps, you know, TikTok, my signature thing on my videos is to give homework at the end of the video. And, and women are like, I've screenshotted all your homework, you know? And so it's something like, well, let's, let's get to work because too much of the conversation is kind of fluffy or maybe high level. But when it comes to it, applying it in your day to day, it's like, what does that look like? And so that's where I come in. 
Mm, well, the numbers speak for themselves. You've got, I think at last count, about 192,000 followers on TikTok. So you're giving the goods there. People are clearly eating it up. Uh, one, what is your TikTok username if people want to go there and find that? Yeah, it's The Friendship Expert, which is, I just, you know, like everybody else, I hopped on as an adult, you know, shyly during the pandemic when you're like, oh, this is for kids, but I'm going to make an account and hide behind here. And then out of boredom, I really like leaned in. And it's been, I mean, great. It's led to so many opportunities um, that I would only dream of. Um, as a matter of fact, a couple of months ago, I signed a big book deal and they told me that having that TikTok was was one of the things that kind of sold them was to be able to see other people buying in, to see mm. tangible steps. And so um, I'm really excited for that. So it's just been a lot of cool things. That is amazing. And congratulations on the book deal. No easy feat. Um, and it, wait, hold on. The note said producer star told me it was a six fig book deal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it we was, yeah. No, it's 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 a blessing, you know, to go from a high school teacher who's waitressing on summers off to something mm-hmm. that was not really a thing. Like if you Google friendship coaching, is I mean, really is a dream. It's very cool, and I'm so appreciative. Well, congratulations! It is so deserved. Let's talk about friendship amongst women. Um, what do you think is the most special thing about the, the bond we have with our sisters, right? Um, and also, uh, what is the impact that female friendship has on our mental, emotional, and even maybe physical health? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it's nice to go through this world with somebody who has that shared experience. So whatever that looks like. And for women, you know, especially in a patriarchal society, it's nice to look at another woman, to have that look across the room and you're just like, girl, I know. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. I know. You know, and right. so it's, yeah, I saw it. Right. Right. So it's nice to to have that. Um, you know, there's research that shows that, you know, when women are stressed, we're familiar with a fight or flight. But when they redid that study with more women, they found that we have a higher range of responses to stress. And one of them is called tend or befriend. So when we're stressed, we'll either go and reach out to younger people we feel are more vulnerable to protect, or we'll go and seek out the company of other women, at which time our oxytocin levels are released. And that is the thing that quite literally decreases stress. So I always laugh when, you know, a boyfriend or husband's like, oh, what are you going to go talk to your friends about it? I'm like, that's exactly what I'm going to do (laughs) to not kill you right now. Yeah. And so it's really cool to see how even in the body and the brain things happen when we are having conversations with other women is is very important. Um, You know, they're telling us that the single greatest factor on your overall health and well-being is not your income. It's not your marital status. It's the quality of your relationships, which is so funny to me when I see there's so much emphasis, right? on, you know, hustle culture and, you know, grinding in your job and finding the one. I mean, all those things are nice. But when we see bodies of research saying the same thing about the thing that's going to help your mental and physical health is really your friendships. I mean, it's hard to to look away. Yeah, I, that, those are really good points. And um, especially this idea of uh, adult friendships and how important it is to have those people that you go to when maybe the other pillars of your life are shaking a little bit. I love that you brought up, um, you know, hustle culture, because this podcast, my entire vision for it was best life minus the burnout. I spent tw- all of my 20s just go, 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 grinding, grinding, grinding tons of achievements, like loved it in those moments. But afterwards, I would come home to an empty house or less than stellar, you know, mental wellness or just a sense of peace. Um, And I realized that I was not cultivating or maintaining my friendships or even my relationships with my family. Yes, everyone was technically there. Yes, if I picked up the phone and called, they would answer or vice versa. But I, I hadn't thought about how do I continue to strengthen and deepen these bonds? How do I challenge um, us to grow together in friendship and partnership? It was just kind of like, you're my friend now and I'll see you at brunch, right? And it was it was kind of superficial at a certain point, even with some of my best friends. And, and we pivoted and worked to really strengthen those bonds in, in recent years. Um, but I also have noticed that the older I get, the more difficult it is to make new friends. Like I've still got all my day ones, like my best friends, 10 plus years, right? I've got four or five, I can count on one hand. So I'm really proud of that. But then I also sit and think, 
wait, so I'm clearly a good friend. Why the hell is it so hard to make new friends and keep them when we're older? Why Why is that? Do you have an answer? Yeah, you know, that actually starts to happen around the age of 25 when our social circle shrinks. And a lot of uh, that makes sense because that's when we're coming out of college, coming into our own, and we shift our priority to building family ties, to advancing in our careers. We're no longer in a space that's saturated with our, our peers and we're out here on our own. We got to figure it out. And so that's when we start to notice, wait, where did, where did my people go and we never really formally learned how to do this. Um, and so it doesn't surprise me that like once we get upper 20s, 30s, we're, we're struggling with how do I make new friends? Um, I think a lot of people also struggle because they'll think, okay, I think I'm charismatic. I'm intelligent. Why is this a struggle for me? But it's just generally, you know, kind of difficult. Work from home doesn't make it much better. People are are moving because they they can. They're remote now. Um, and, and things like that, they have taken away our, you know, the backdrop of a workplace. And so that used to be a space where we were meeting people and making connections. So we really are kind of seemingly out here on our own. Um, I think it's interesting to hear you talk about, you know, your friendship history and your status and what you've got going on. And and I'm not surprised to hear about how it's something you kind of noticed along the way, um, because we do tend to talk about friendship like it's a luxury. And like you mentioned, brunch, like you need some girls to go to brunch with. And, you know, when we're taught to, you know, uh, value romantic partnerships and and find your man, find somebody to be with and and to advance in our careers. We almost take advantage of the friends that we have because we know they'll be there. So we'll tend to them when we get to that because I got to focus over here. But then sure enough, as you know, we look up when all the, that stuff is settled and we're like, where did my, where did my girls go? Um, because it requires the same level of, of love and attention. So when it comes to making new friends, I have like all these strategies. But first, I always like to say to, to start with the circle you already have, because a lot of times when we say, Say, oh, Danielle, I want to make new friends. I think we're using that synonymously for I want to meet new people. And the two are not the same. You know, making friends refers to the art of cultivating something meaningful with another person. And who says that has to start from scratch? A lot of us have some people in our network loosely who would be cool, but we've dismissed them for whatever reason. They're too young, too old, too weird, not weird enough. You know, we're just like, I don't know. She's like my vibe. But a lot of us have a good little mix if we really were to pay attention and don't necessarily have to start from scratch. So sometimes it starts there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm excited to dig into the nitty gritty of how to cultivate these friendships uh, because according to the census, the average number of times a person moves in their life is about 11.7 times. I have moved to at least six different cities, like five different states since high school, right? And I'm early 30s at this point. Some of my friends have moved 10 to 15 times domestically, internationally. And it's such... um, it's such a, a massive act of emotional and mental labor to kind of start over again, period. Forget about the house, the apartment, the job situation. Now we got to find these friends. So I'm excited uh, for you to share that knowledge with people who may be moving and starting fresh or may just be looking up at the world around them and deciding, I kind of want to, you know, infuse this with some more life and some more depth. Um, so how do you suggest we make friends as an adult? What are the first steps? Where do we find our people? Yeah. So the first thing at the risk of sounding like a life coach uh, is to make sure you got your mind right, because a lot of people stop themselves because they believe things that are not true and it um, indirectly impacts the way that you engage with people. So I hear a lot of people say like, oh, I just feel like I'm too late. You know, like I'm in my 30s. Can I really make friends? And so if you believe it's too late, you're not engaging the way you should. Or we feel like, oh, I'm too insert perceived inadequacy here. I'm too shy. I'm too introverted. I'm too whatever. And so we feel like we're somehow um, less capable because of something we think is wrong with us. So we have a lot of different things going on. But once we get past that, um, a couple easy ones I like to to suggest that you can start right away is to integrate more routine into your day or your week. So I know that's very unsexy, but we tend to meet people when we are familiar, like we get gradually more familiar with them. So if you walk your dog, try to walk your dog about the same time every day or at least in the same place. If you go to um, the gym or a coffee shop, can you do that with more regularity? Because that's when we're making those like, serendipitous organic kind of connections where you've seen somebody like four times. So they're more enthused and more inclined to say like, hey, I, you know, hey, I noticed that you're doing this or hey, can I borrow, you know, your cord or whatever, because you seem approachable because your face is familiar, but we have to breed that familiarity and that takes repetition. And so the easiest thing is to start to integrate more routine, especially for those of us who are working from home home all day and then simultaneously wondering how to naturally meet people. Um, another one is, I know we've heard of these like meetup groups and things like that, but the mistake we make there is we go one time. 
And then we're like, I didn't find my people. And then, I didn't find my vibe. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, I didn't find, I wasn't my vibe and we don't go back again. But I always encourage us to go at least two, three times because you engage differently when you know you're coming back. So if I am going one time to check it out, I'm operating in the role of critic and I'm seeing if people seem cool. I don't know. I don't really engage. And I'm like, ah, I wasn't feeling it. And I leave. But if I know I've made myself come back a couple times and I committed to coming every week for a month, then it changes how I show up. I'm making new friend by like introducing myself or I'm able to say, oh, hey, you know, Susie, you mentioned your dog was sick last week. How do things go with that? Like I have something to work with. I have some intel I can use and build on, but we so want to meet somebody the first time, especially women, because we're secretly auditioning her to be our best friend in our head. (laughs) And if we notice any little thing that doesn't check out or meet our preferences, we're done. And so some of it is just like going past the first impression and and staying open-minded. So routine, the meetup groups is one. And then another one that's super easy is to, you know, connect with your super connector friends. So these are those people who are very extroverted. For some reason, they always know what's going on. They've got people around them. You know, why not reach out to them and say, listen, I'm trying to get more plugged in, be intentional. And I thought of you because you've always got something going on. Do you know of anything around town that's worth checking out? Or, you know, on the on the more optimistic end, they might invite you to be their plus one, but at least they're going to give you recommendations. But we're so afraid to signal our our hunger for connection because we fear looking desperate. Is this going to make me look clingy? What's wrong with me? So all of us are walking around here thinking, man, I'd like to be more connected, but I'm not going to say it because how would that make me look? Mm, That is so, so true. So poignant because you're right. Um, Articulating our need for connection, um, especially these days, right? There, There have been so many headlines, particularly at the intersection of Black women and mental health and feeling alienated or alone. And sometimes the really painful and devastating um, consequences that come with that because we don't necessarily feel safe um, to express what we need or we feel like we have to always wear that cape or be strong, silent and strong and sometimes alone, um, which is a perfect segue into loneliness, something that I, I think a lot of us have, probably all of all of us, I'm, it is safe to say, I would be willing to bet we have all at some point in our lives dealt with or felt feelings of loneliness. The pandemic obviously exacerbated that for so many of us and it really altered how we interact with our friends, our family, um, and severely limited our ability to make new ones. So you were kind of screwed if you didn't have that friend group going into the pandemic. Um, and I'm curious to know from your perspective as an expert, um, what do you think was the biggest way that COVID, that the the ensuing pandemic impacted friendship? Yeah, well, you know, like we mentioned earlier, I think a lot of it was that organic, you know, seeing people in the elevator or, you know, being able to meet up very casually for happy hour after work. And it didn't take a second thought. And I don't think a lot of us were uh, well practiced in how to be in- more intentional about it. You know, I, I'm not going to see you in our traditional way. So I don't really know how to be friends in a new terrain. I don't know what to do here. So I think some of us were a little out of practice. Um, and, you know, we can Zoom all day long, but that's never going to replace, you know, how our brains are wired to, to be be together and see each other's faces in person and things like that. Um, I think it's also a lot of things of, you know, our friend being removed. And so we've got to kind of interpret the silence and the distance. And I saw a lot of people who, you know, thought that their friendship was over or they're thinking, oh, I guess my friends don't care about me like I thought. And a lot of that was because we have this physical distance now. So we're, you know, inserting our own interpretations of what's happening, your home, you're in your head. And you start to wonder, you know, about the state of your friendship. Are you guys doing okay and overthinking? I saw that a lot, especially with women. Um, some women told me that, you know, maybe they were going through certain things in their, their lives financially with their family. Families, but because we don't want to burden our friends by telling them what's going on, that actually contributes to feelings of loneliness as well. Because your friendship remains superficial, you start to tell yourself the message of like, gosh, nobody gets what I'm going through. I'm so alone in this, but simultaneously don't want to ask for help because I don't want to put people out or I don't want to, you know, for my self-sufficient women, I don't want to look like I need help. Like I got this. I don't need to ask them for help. But all those things contribute to feeling like you're by yourself because you don't want to let people in. When ironically, Research tells us that, you know, helping another person makes us feel closer to the person, you know, offering that help. And so it's a lot of different factors that went into making us feel more isolated than we already were during the pandemic. But I think as long as we increase our awareness about it and get intentional about getting connected with the right people, then then we'll be better off. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here and no one's future is safe. 
After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. I'm curious to know if you saw a TikTok um, that uh, went viral. I don't know. It had a lot, a significant amount of numbers, and it was um, a woman talking about her pandemic experience. I think it's Maite Lisbeth. Did you see that? I did. It was heartbreaking. I mean, she's tearing up and she's talking about the fact that she realized she was a tier two or a tier three friend. The fact that she even labeled herself as that, I was like, damn, because also I've been there. I'm like, oh, shoot, I don't think I'm in, I don't think I'm in the tier one. That's how this is playing out. Um, and she said she spent a lot of the pandemic alone because she wasn't in these pods. She didn't make the cut for people's bubbles. And she thought that she had cultivated a stronger community than she actually had and realized how alone she was. And that broke my heart. One, because it's resonated with me. I felt that in different ways, not necessarily in the pandemic, but just period. It's like, you don't know until you know, and you're like, Ooh, wait, I think I just got the memo. Wow. Good to know. Um, that's not how I saw that going. Um, but it's humbling. And also I really respect her for opening up about that. Um, because it's something that could easily be embarrassing, right. Um, to be like, I'm the odd man out. I'm the person who didn't get picked to play in the gym class, whatever that is for you. Um, so I applaud her for speaking to it. But I'm curious to know what you thought about that. If you felt um, similar sentiments expressed in your coaching, um, if you've ever felt that. Yeah. You know, I, I saw that video and um, I had the same response. It was, it was a very vivid response of, oh my gosh, I almost feel her pain because it was so raw. Um, and I think she was putting, I think she was putting words to a lot of things people feel, but again, are too scared to say out loud. Um, and I'm sure it resonated with a lot of people because we're seeing, you know, studies that show that we have more women living alone than ever before. I mean, you can speculate 
to that as you will, but it's probably because a lot of us, we have the access and the means and we're taking our time on getting married and looking at our options. And so that looks like a lot of women living by themselves. So I would imagine that a lot of women who watched that video felt like she was really speaking to their situation. And as far as the whole like tier two, tier three friend and where we rank, I don't think any of us have really had security in that since MySpace top eight. And you knew very clearly, <laughs> you know, you knew very right. clearly if you were like the number three friend, the number right. eight friend. Ranking so I know it's real. Right, where exactly, exactly. And so it's funny because, you know, research tells us that only half of our friendships are reciprocal. And by that, I mean, maybe... Um, this person is my level 10 friend. Like this is my ride or die. But in her life, I'm like a level seven. And, you know, how do you respond to that information? Does it change what you do or, or your approach? But, you know, sometimes it's not totally equal all the time for the duration of our friendship. And it shifts as new people come into her life and different priorities. And so with that being said, you might be somebody's tier two, even though they're your tier one. You know, I don't know that young lady's full situation, but I would say, I know sometimes we get caught in that whole like, oh gosh, I don't know if I'm anybody's number one. And we keep from reaching out because of that. But you have to ask for what you need. Yes, there is a risk of rejection. Yes, there is a chance she's like, I don't have time for you, whatever. But most times it's met with a warm reception or people saying, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you reached out because I've been feeling that way too. You know, you can't judge their situation off of whatever Instagram post they made and assume, oh, she's probably at her capacity for friends. I mean, look at all the great things she has going on. You have no idea what's behind that. I've worked with so many women who are um, ambitious, and funny and and charismatic whose Instagram you would see and think like, oh gosh, she's got like a whole squad who's coming to me because she has a squad and doesn't feel connected to any of her friends and wants real friends, you know? So here we are kind of all doing the dance of comparing and then judging it against our very real, you know, in-person situation and not realizing if you want to be connected, you have to reach out and make it known. That's the only way to get your needs met. And to your point about reaching out, I love to ask for scripts, right? And, and no two situations are ever the same. No two conversations, opportunities for connection. But if you had to make, you know, general recommendations, how do I approach a woman who I am curious about exploring a friendship with without her being confused as to whether or not I'm Yes. Right. <laughs> That's so funny. More people have brought that up. Like, how do I make it clear? Like, girl, this is platonic. Yeah. You know, you got to right. be careful. You got to be careful. You know, it's it's a couple different things. If I'm meeting a person for the very first time, I know it sounds cliche, but it works. But compliments always work. There's research that says 90% of people um, admit that a compliment feels good, but only 50% of people are willing to do it. And it's because we underestimate how well people take it. So we all love it, but we're scared to do it in case we make them uncomfortable. But, you know, research shows that people love it on, on average. People really like it. And so that gets people to, to kind of light up, especially with women. It's like the easiest way to open the door to start talking about something else, you know? Um, so, so doing that is something that always works. Um, also making your intention known, even saying like, hey, I, you know, really like XYZ about you. And I've been looking for other people who like that just as much as I do. So, you know, let me know if you're ever out and about, like I'd love to get connected um, or I'm new to town and I'm trying to get more plugged in, like to let her know I'm reaching out because I like your vibe and I see something similar or I'm trying to get connected. Can you help me with that? Like putting people in a position of help they tend to respond to. Um, and also, you know, making it known that you like somebody. Uh, believe it or not, as complex and multi-layered as we like to think we are, we tend to like people who like us, research reveals. It's just that simple. And I always make the joke, it's kind of like maybe I'm just, maybe it's just me, but it's, it's kind of like when you were in school and like you find out that a boy is a crush on you and you were never really looking at him. But now that you know, you're like, yeah, you're oh, like, oh, he's, he's kind of <laughs> in the right light. <laughs> I can work with it. <laughs> I can, yeah, yeah. I can, okay. He's, yeah, he's, he's cute. Yeah, I noticed, you know, it's the same, it's the same idea. There's something about like, let's say you and I were hanging out with a group of friends and the next day I tell you like, oh my gosh, Ashley could not stop talking about how funny you are. Suddenly you really like Ashley. And that's just how it works. And so we we know that to be true, but we're so scared to telegraph our real feelings. So even telling somebody like, you know, okay, I like you, you know, and it can be playful. It doesn't have to be intense, but it's just something that puts the seed in her mind of like, oh, okay, we, okay. I like, okay, she could, she could work, you know? And so sometimes it's just about making it known. And, and a lot of us, we think it, but it's about having the courage to bring it to your lips and make it known. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, the power of vulnerability, right? Putting ourselves out there. It's so scary, but the reward on the other side is just so often worth it. Um, I wanted to ask you this a little bit ago. You brought up meetups and, and sort of those opportunities to connect with people. Do you have any apps you recommend? I went, I'm going to tell this. I probably will have told this story at the front of this episode. I was on Bumble BFF for like 15 seconds and half the time people didn't think it was me if they were messaging me and I'm like no I'm really looking for friends in LA um and I went on one bubble BFF day it was when I first moved to LA so I was having a hard time just meeting people outside of my industry which is kind of what I wanted I just didn't want to always be talking about what I talk about for a living um and I met some really cool ladies I obviously only hung out with one but I'm curious to know is that is that still a vibe like what's going on with that app are there any others you recommend like where where can we go um to meet people who are already Already on the same page about wanting to meet new friends. Oh my gosh, I love that you brought that up because in, in 2022, that's a necessary part of the, the conversation around friendship is technology. You know, we use it for everything else. So, you know, if there's anybody who's like, I don't know if I want to like meet my friends on an app, it doesn't make you desperate. It makes you resourceful. We do it for literally everything else, especially those of us who are moving around and, and on the go. Why not find people who are communicating? Hey, I'm looking to be friends with some new people too. Well, you might as well. And jumping on those apps, gives you a baseline. So if anything, I always say that there should be less of a fear of rejection because you know everyone signed up to make friends. So you almost can be, you know, you can almost rest assured that she has the same ideas that you do. And so she's she's happy to to welcome your um, invitations. Um, Bumble BFF, I really like because it's it's been tried and true and a lot of women are on there. So you have kind of like a bigger pool to pull from. But I think the mistake we make about Bumble BFF is some of us go on there like when we are kind of feeling like we want to hang out, but we're not totally intentional about friendship. And that's why you have like a lot of ghosting, like you send a woman a message and she maybe doesn't respond. And then you're like really discouraged from the process. So a couple tips to like really maximize that. Um, I recently gave some tips. Wall Street Journal is asking for tips. I mean, even like the, the outlets you think would be like friendship apps are like, okay, talk to us because we need to know. So recently Wall Street Journal was asking me for tips and I told him the same thing. If you're getting some, you know, uh, profile posted up and you're ready to do this, one, you have to have positive language in your profile because research from these apps shows that that's going to make the algorithm favor you more than negative language. So some women will get on there and say like, ugh, I don't like women who da 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 da. And I don't get along well with people who ba 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 ba. Okay, that's great. But I'm here to connect with people. So if I'm saying like, I don't really like loud people, instead, maybe I'll say something like, I'm looking for people who have, who have kind of like a quiet energy like me. That's what I get along with. So just flip it around. What are you looking for? Um, and another mistake I see is um, giving very general things in the profile. Like I really like, you know, dogs and music and like, who doesn't? Okay. We all hey, like- Welcome to the human race. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. This is your chance to differentiate yourself from everybody else. So, you know, do you have a memory you can share or a, a recent funny thing that happened that you can like throw in there or a tattoo that you think is really interesting? Like things like that, that make you stand out, but things like, you know, music and, and food and travel, like, yes, sweetie. Yes. Okay. Um, so, you know, be specific, be positive, and then, you know, be engaged the whole ghosting and stuff I see on there, but really that app is a microcosm for real friendship. Do you show up? Do you follow up? Are you positive? I mean, it's the same things, or are you just going to be transactional? You want somebody to hang out with, but you are not really in a place where you want to like show up and listen and give. So, you know, so it's, it's kind of a microcosm for how you behave and approach friendship in real life. I've, I've, I've noticed. Mm, that's a really, really interesting observation. Um, my mom growing up, she would always tell me, you know, Zuri, every friend doesn't have to play every role. Every friend isn't for everything. Right. And growing up, I would always hear it and not really think too hard on it. Now in my older age, I really appreciate it and think it's true because, you know, I used to think that each friend had to be my end all be all and vice versa. Right. But it was, um, it was almost like, okay, this person's in this category. This person's in that, this person's in that category. If I just want to, you know, have a good crazy time. I might call up a couple of the homies that otherwise are not going to be the person to like, you know, talk me down when I'm spiraling. And then I do have a few of those friends who are the catch-alls and I am that for them. Um, so I'm curious to know what you encourage your clients to keep in mind when it comes to, I hate to say categorizing their friendships, but you know, just figuring out 
where everybody lands when it comes to different friendships for different seasons or for different reasons. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I know some people have a different take on that, but I think exactly what you just shared is really helpful in terms of managing expectations because I've seen the opposite happen where we're expecting one person to be all the things and then we get disappointed. And it's just like, I mean, can one person even be all the things? Even if you get married, can your spouse be all the things? And so I think even having an approach of, you know, okay, she's just like my fun buddy. Now, maybe after hanging out long enough, she, you know, you notice that she has the capacity for you to go there. Oh, okay. Maybe I can recategorize or redefine this. But, you know, if I allow somebody to just be my hangout buddy, but not necessarily my, you know, emotional pick me up buddy, I'll be less devastated if she can't support me in that way, because that's, that's all she can offer right now. And that's okay. And for somebody, you're just their hangout buddy and they feel like they can't go deep with you and that's, and it's okay. And so I think it's a good approach to help manage expectations, to help keep your community strong, to allow people to shine in their strengths, um, I think is a good approach to, to having friends in kind of different boxes. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbroke, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. We talk about this with romantic relationships all of the time, toxic versus healthy. I don't think we talk about it enough when it comes to friendship. What is the makings of a, a toxic versus a healthy friendship? What are the signs if we need to walk away from a friend? And then how do we do that breakup? Do we ghost? Do we have a sit down? Do we have to meet him in person? Like it was, a, you know, it, like it's a future ex? Like what are the rules there? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So there's so much there. The, you know, the simplest way I'll say is first, I, I was, I always like to get clear on, you know, a toxic friend versus a really difficult friend because I know that's like a hot trendy phrase, you know, she's difficult. And we're like, oh no, I can't deal with that toxic energy. And it's like, well, you know, is she toxic as in like toxins, poisonous, or is it really obnoxious that she takes forever to text you back? And that's just like so annoying, you know, or does she tend to talk about herself a lot and it's annoying, but when you bring her back and you're like, girl, okay, back to me, then she does it, you know? And so, you know, how, how are we balancing, you know, being graceful with each other's flaws, being verbal about our boundaries, 
boundaries because a lot of us will not do that, especially as women. And then we simultaneously penalize her for something she didn't even know was a crime. And so I'm not going to tell her, but I'm going to hold it against her and tell everybody else. So did she even get a chance for self-correction before you dismissed her as being problematic? Um, and then, you know, testing her capacity for can she self-correct? Is she humble in that way? Or is she not willing to do that? Because that's what matters. Um, but I'm seeing way too many female friendships end prematurely because we don't want to do that. And it's just easier to fade out, but I'm not going to tell her why. And then it's leaving a lot of us with this emotional baggage as we go and make new friends. I mean, I've, I've coached women who are, you know, mid forties who are still referring to being ghosted 20 years ago and thinking that that's impacting like what's going on right now. And it probably is, which means we've got to do better with releasing friendships because we're leaving each other with complexes and it just goes round and round. So, you know, if you have a friend who is manipulative or who's guilting you or who's very judgmental, I mean, to the point where you feel like you have to like hide information because she's going to, you know, disapprove of your choices and you feel like you have to shrink yourself. I mean, anything where you feel like you can't show up as your your real self because this person's um, bringing like an energy that suppresses that is something to look at. Um, I also believe that, you know, there's different ideas of toxic because what's toxic to you may not be to somebody else. Now, no, some obvious things like she's, you know, cursing you out or, or playing games and things like that. Sure. She's lying and, and sure, you know, universally not acceptable, but maybe there are certain limitations you have and she keeps pressing against them, maybe unknowingly. It's toxic, that situation for you. For somebody else, the way that she operates is just fine and they have a rhythm and they have an understanding and it works for them, you know? And so, you know, there's some of it that's a little bit relative as well. But if you think you have a friend who's toxic without a doubt and you're like, I cannot invest in this anymore, I, one, do not ghost. I'm a, I'll say that all day long. And to me, ghosting means that one person cuts off communication without an explanation and the other person still wanted to be involved. Now, if there's like a mutual fading out, which we've all done, like you hang out a little less and then you like care a little less and then like it doesn't have legs anymore. And both people signed up for that there's an understanding. It just is what it is. As a matter of fact, research tells us, I know I'm a nerd for like research tells us. No, but I love <laughs> research tells us. Research tells that. us uh, yeah. that, you know, we replace half of our friends every seven years. And so to some extent, it's to be expected that there'll be maybe these fade outs as we, you know, get a new job, we adopt some new beliefs and mindsets. That's going to happen. There's going to be some natural pruning that takes place. Um, but if it's a situation where you want out and the other person doesn't know or they don't share those feelings, it does require giving them the the dignity of, of letting them know I'm not going to be seeing you anymore. And so, you know, I think that you should do that in whatever mode is most natural to you too. If you guys normally meet in person, it makes sense to meet in person. I can't break up with a meet-in-person friend on text or a texting friend on email, you know? And so a little bit of it has to be congruent with how y'all naturally communicate. Unless you've identified some things in her that says, you know, it might be best to do this in email because of how I know she reacts, things like that. Um, but you have to make it known. Um, however you word that, I think the emphasis should be on what you want and not what she lacks. So instead of, so instead of you know what, you're just too this and this and this, and I just think it's too much, or you're not this enough, and I just can't deal with that anymore. All of that is rooted in her uh, um, shortcomings. Instead of, you know, that same thing might be true, but instead of, you know what, I'm really looking for more of X, Y, Z right now, and I just don't think I get that here, and it's not personal, but I just think I have to go and pursue that right now or prioritize that right now. It's about what you want. It is not about how she's to this and to that because it's all relative at the end of the day. And so as long as you can kind of remember that language around the conversation, yes, it's uncomfortable. No, you're not doing anybody favors by keeping it to yourself because I hear a lot of that. Like, well, I don't want to make her feel weird. So I'm not going to let her know I'm done being friends. Yes, it's uncomfortable. That's what big girls do. You know, it doesn't have to be a big formal thing. It can be direct. It can be compassionate. You give her a chance to say her side too. That's why, you know, sometimes texts feel unfair because you've made the decision, but it's a one-way dialogue. And you're saying, I'm reporting this information to you, but you don't get to respond. She's going to have an emotional reaction. It's news to her, but you've been thinking about it, but it's new information for her. And then to stick to it when you're done, because a lot of us undo it because we feel bad or we miss her. She's our friend for a reason. We miss her and we go back. So then kind of sticking with what you said um, to make the message clear 
and, you know, releasing the friendship with as much grace as possible. Mm-hmm. Really great tips as far as like gently coming out of a thing that you don't want to be in. I love that emphasis on what you want or need as opposed to, you know, having someone leave with all of this bad energy where you just told them the laundry list of issues they have, in your opinion. Um, I hear women say, we've all heard women say um, at some at certain points, maybe you've been the woman who's said, I just don't get along with other women. I'm just more of like, I like to hang with the boys. Like, I don't know, girls, it's just... So I'm curious to know, what do you think when you hear that? When you hear a woman say it, what comes to mind? Have you had clients say it? What do you think they really mean by that? Is it fair to say it? I mean, sometimes women, we can get petty. Men can get petty too. So I, I think there's two sides to every coin. Um, but what, what are your thoughts on that that dynamic? First, I'll say, unfortunately, I have been that woman. It, it was it was when I first went to college. And I'm trying to differentiate myself from other girls with the guys. But what we're doing there is revealing internalized misogyny. Because if I'm trying to say I'm not like other girls who are petty and gossipy and conniving. I'm not like them. I'm different. It's not a compliment. I mean, we're saying our entire gender is these things, but I'm not them. And so it's problematic just to begin with. We're subscribing to to those ideas about our own. I do understand that's probably rooted for some women and some very real experiences because whenever I say that, they're sure to come for me in the comments with, but you don't understand what women have done to me. I'm sure that is true. I, I am sorry that that's been your experience, but anything that we're walking away from and dismissing the entire group as a problem because of our experience with one would be a problem just in any other arena. I think it's interesting that you never hear men do that. That's how I know that it's like a misogynistic thing. You don't hear men like, oh, I can't do guys. It's crazy. You know, I recently saw a TikTok where a girl said, you know what, ladies, if you, you know, cut off other women and you're doing this and that, it's it doesn't make you, you know, a B. It makes you, it means that you're doing something right. So if you have no female friends, you're doing something right. And so many women tagged me and I just was like, I have to digest that. But it was sad that we're sending this message to a whole group of young women that a sign you're on track is your own don't like you. And I just, I just don't understand that. Um, I, so, so I try to account for, I know it's rooted in a very real experience. Um, but my biggest aha moment in the past year is I wonder how much of it is because we see ourselves with each other. If I, if I see a group of women, I am suddenly confronted with my ideas of femininity and, and, womanhood and confidence. I see myself in you. And so if I'm not sure about how feminine I think I am, if I'm pretty enough, smart enough, if I'm not sure about those things, it's hard for me to be around you because you are a reminder of what I don't have. It is a mirror, but that's for any group. As a black person, when I go into a group of all black people, I'm suddenly aware of certain things. And so I'm just, I'm wondering how much of it is our ideas of womanhood and being confronted with them among other women. It's just just a thought of, of why it's so intense, but I don't think that jealousy and pettiness is exclusive to women. That's people. And if you say, oh, well, women have let me down, that's what people do is we disappoint each other. That's what we do. But since a lot of our social interactions, even when we're younger, are gendered, girls over here, boys over here, it probably is a higher probability that you had women screw you over because that's who you've been around your entire life. And so it's just some things to kind of consider, but I honor those women's experiences. I do think it's dangerous to dismiss an entire group because of those experiences. Yeah. Uh, so, so true. Spot on. And I completely agree with what you were saying around, you know, sometimes it's our insecurities, right? It's us projecting. And when we are faced with people who technically we could be compared to, sometimes it's our internal monologue. It's our dialogue with ourselves doing the comparing and feeling threatened or feeling less than or too much. Um, and so it's just uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to be around people who, for whatever reason, make us um, think a little harder about who we are, how we're showing up and maybe how we're failing. Um, if that's the headspace that we're in when we're in those in those social groups. Um, okay. I know we're, we're in the home stretch here. We're wrapping up. Um, one question that I just want your personal answer. You're, you're married, right? Okay. Um, so the idea of a partner as a best 
bread as your your end all be all. We touched on it a little bit earlier. Do you subscribe to that notion? Um, is it to each his own when you're talking to each her own when you're talking to your clients? Um, what do you feel about that idea that we're all out here just looking for that one person and once our partner's our best friend, everyone else is you know a lovely compliment to our our, our northern star. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Gosh, you were like summing up the idea that I know a lot of women have. If there's a woman who's like, no, you don't understand. My husband's my best friend. I think that's beautiful. Like, that's great. That is great. Um, I do think we set ourselves up for disappointment if the expectation going into relationships is that like, okay, you should be my person. Because if we're being totally real, you're not going to be his person for all the things. He needs people to supplement what you offer him. You are not replaceable, but you're also not Alpha and Omega. And there's other people, you know, who who satisfy him, you know, in different ways in terms of intellectual needs or sports needs or whatever it is and let him go do his thing and, and come back, you know, guy friends or coworkers. And so he has this nice collective of offerings that fill him up. And so with the whole idea of the best friend, you know, I've had that and I think that's great. Um, but for 40% of adults who say they do not have a best friend, you know, the idea really is to think about what you need. You need to be seen, you need laughter in your life life. You need to feel like you have somebody you can, you can talk to. Do you have to get all those things from one person? No, but a lot of us obsess over that. When you take an aerial view of your community, are you getting that collectively? Like, do you have somebody you could call? Do you have people who do make you laugh? Do you have friends who would come help you move? If so, you've got everything you need. It's just spread amongst the community. And so, you know, I think women need to be careful when they, you know, make the their husband everything. And I think you need your girls and we offer something that supplements and complements that relationship. Um, so it's just something to keep in mind. If people decide, you know what, I think I want a friendship coach. I think I'm ready for the next step. Um, how will they, how, how do we know when we might benefit from the services of someone like you? Um, and then also, what services exactly do you offer? Tell us all the things. How do we get you it? Know, the, you know, people don't people? really ask that about like, how do I know I need a coach? People do not ask that often enough. You know, I think the biggest misconception about friendship coaching is we picture the socially awkward wallflower hiring a coach to teach me how to talk to people. Now, while she's certainly on the docket, okay, while she's certainly there, I think people be surprised to learn that most of the women I work with are high achieving, um, really clever, funny, uh, smart, attractive, whatever that looks like women. And I don't know if it's because they approach everything else in their lives very strategically. So they want to figure this out, but it's not that they're socially inept. Maybe they move to a new city and they're like, okay, normally I'm, I'm, I'm missed network, but how do I get plugged in here? Or it's because they've been with a guy for a really long time and now they've broken up and they have to start from scratch. Or it's because they want to have a really hard conversation with a friend and they're trying to make a big decision and they want an objective voice to help them work through what life on the other side of this decision is going to look like and am I ready to do it? And so I think it's interesting to first kind of dismiss the idea of what a woman who needs a coach would look like and to ask ourselves, am I kind of struggling to make new friends even though I've tried all the things? Um, do I keep having this repeated cycle with a certain friend? Um, do I have lots of friends? But deep down, I don't really feel connected to any of them and I don't know if I should kind of keep this up and we're all doing this or if I should like push for something more. Those would be signs that maybe you need to talk to you know, a coach about it and work it out. Because I know sometimes we talk to our partner and they don't get it or they minimize it with like, oh, well, if she gets on your nerves, stop talking to her. And you're like, okay, well, it's it's more complicated. Right. Okay, right. You know, or we'll with that. Yeah, exactly. They can't relate. Our parents um, are far removed from it. And then sometimes it's complicated to talk to your friends about your friends. Do I look like I'm gossiping? Or maybe my friend's the one I have an issue with? Or, you know, is this a safe space? And so to have somebody who you can just say all the things and they're giving you objective insight. My job is not to give you advice. You know, a lot of women will say like, you know what, you know, do I break up with her or not? And I'm like, okay, I have a couple questions for you. And by the end, you know exactly what you need to do, but that's not my job. Uh, but you've been asked questions you have never considered before that give you some direction. Um, and so like, if that's something that, you know, a woman's listening and she's like, yes, all those things, you know, everything lives at betterfemalefriendships.com. That's where they can, you know, find out more about the podcast. My podcast is called the Friend Forward Podcast. Sign up for coaching or even come to, you know, an event that we're, we're starting up again. And so we try to be really intentional about teaching really um, strategic, high achieving women how to have better relationships with other women in their lives. That's what it's all about. 
Mm, well, that is certainly our audience. So I, I love to hear that. Danielle, where are you based? Just out of curiosity. Tampa, Florida. You're in Tampa, Florida. Okay. Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> um, to, to wrap things up, we have a party trick, which is our last segment. And it's just super rapid fire. Uh, for this week's party trick, I'd love if you could give us three signs we should end a friendship. Mm, okay. Sign number one, she embarrasses you in front of other people intentionally. Never okay. Um, sign number two, she makes you feel guilty about your decisions, who you date, where you go, what job you take, and shows her disapproval of your life choices. Um, and I guess sign number three would be um, not being happy for you because your friend should feel like your success was their own. Um, so that would be problematic as well. Mm, amen. Well, that's a party trick if ever I heard one. Danielle, thank you so much for your time, your expertise. You guys check her out if you're into um, the idea of friendship coaching, want to learn more about what she does or follow on social, right? There's so many gems that you're dropping there too. So thank you so much for sharing that with our audience today. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you again, Danielle, for joining me on Hot Happy Mess today. Make sure you guys check out her services and remember that there is no shame in asking for help, asking for community, reaching out for friendship. Okay. So before I head out, I want to share a quick listener review at Kay Dollinger says absolute vibe. This is 10,000% a my new favorite podcast between Zuri and her guests. There are so many one-liners that really make you open your eyes. Peace within yourself shouldn't be foreign. My word of the year is nourish, whether it is my mind, body, soul, or those around me highly all caps recommend. Ooh, love that review. Love you for writing it. Thank you so much. Um, and I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast. If you listening haven't left a review yet, please do on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Leave a five-star rating uh, so I know it's real and we can keep this good content coming to you. If you think there's someone who might enjoy this episode, this friendship chat, go ahead and share it with them and tag me on social if you are listening at Hot Happy Mess at Zuri Hall and we'll repost you. Okay? Okay. Uh, Stay tuned for more episodes coming every Wednesday. I'll see you on the gram. I'm about to get on TikTok. Oh, God. And in the meantime, be blessed, be healthy, be well. I am sending you love and light. And I'll talk to you later. Bye. 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 This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is Clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu.